The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through outreach, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. Not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You may be seated. Thank you, Patricia. And uh, if you are in the ages of uh, kindergarten to fifth grade, that was a question? Yes, kindergarten to fifth grade. Uh, You can go over there for children's church. Um, They have a lesson prepped. Uh, This morning, Alex Wallington uh, is our guest preacher. We're extremely excited to have him. Uh, He's a Chattanooga native and a friend of of this place. Uh, and of Jared and myself and others. And so uh, he works uh, on the campus uh, with a ministry at Southern California, USC, and uh, is a marvelous uh, friend and person and fun guy. Uh, He's a big Trojan and Dodger fan, so don't say the A word, Astros, around him. Uh, It's a sore, sore spot, Uh, but we're glad to have him. And um, no one looks better in jeans and Nikes than he does, so we're glad to have him. Welcome, our friend. I don't know how to take that last compliment. A butcher uh, tells a story. He was in the back one day, and um, this woman walks up to him with a whole head of lettuce and just says, uh, I want you to cut this in half uh, because I only want to buy one half of it. And he was like, we don't do that. She was like, well, I only need one half of it. Please, just cut it in half. I only want half of it. And so he gets in this argument with this woman. He's like, we don't do that. I'm not wasting this half of a head of lettuce. And she says, well, go get the manager. So he marches up to the front of the grocery store and gets the manager. And he's like, there is this crazy idiot in the back of the grocery store who is having this absurd request. And he's going off on this rant. And the manager starts going, like, stop it, like, quit talking. Because what had happened is that woman followed him all the way up to the front of the store. And he realizes he's going off on this woman and she's standing right behind him. And so he just catches himself and goes, and you know what? And this nice, beautiful lady behind me wants to buy the other half of that. Um, look, when you get caught talking about somebody, no matter what you believe, there's sort of a frozen moment 
uh, where you feel like I've crossed the line. Like there's almost an intuitive paradigm for communication that our world needs in order for it to work. But in order for you to get in touch with that, uh, you need wisdom to be able to navigate it. And you're going through this series in the Proverbs, and what the Proverbs give you is counsel for when life is not black and white. How do you do life best when it's just not abundantly clear? And it's overwhelming counsel throughout all of Scripture is about how you use your words and your tongue. Now think about this. Why would it care so much about that? Well, if you're going to be involved in a community like this, uh, what most research will tell us is that the reason that you would ever be tempted to leave it is most acute through the pain of somebody else's words. And so for everybody, this is not just a private matter, but is actually incredibly communal and involves everyone around you if you want to live life alongside of them. How are you going to use your words? And the most toxic way our words are ever used is in the idea of gossip, which is sort of the thread throughout this entire paragraph that was read for you. So let's, uh, no pun intended, let's talk about gossip and talk about it under four headings. What is it? Why are we so prone to it? What will help? And then what will heal? First, gossip. What, what exactly is it? I think for the most part, uh, most of us want to ask right away, is gossip just simply talking about people when they're not present? And I think you can definitively say from this text, no, that's not what gossip is. Because there are times when something is going on in somebody's life and that person uh, is in a tailspin or something problematic is going on in or around them, and you need to have uh, sort of an intervention kind of conversation with them. Well, one of the most helpful things you can do is go talk to somebody else about what you need to say, what this might look like, uh, how the conversation needs to go, uh, how you're going to navigate the entire situation. And that's not gossip. But it becomes gossip when two things are present. It becomes gossip when there's a delight that you can take and there's a destruction that you can create. Now, what do I mean by this? A delight you can take. It says this in the beginning of our paragraph. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Now, he says, whoever conceals hate. Now, few of us would, would identify hate as an ongoing problem in our life, but that's because in the English language, Hate for us means like I want to scratch their eyes out or I want to do really terrible things to them. But the Hebrew word for hate is the word sana. And all throughout the Talmud, the, the Jewish commentary on the Old Testament, the way that the scholars would define sana is ill will. That is, anytime you delight in something terrible happening to somebody else, they would say, that's when you're getting into hate. So for example, the paragraph goes further and it says, do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. That is, if you like or hope for somebody 
to have a free fall, that's when you're getting to get into hate. And what do we do with that hate? The proverb says that we conceal it. We sort of keep it to ourselves until we get around other people. And what you say around other people will reveal whether or not you love them or you hate them. And if you begin to say things that uh, can increase your happiness by portraying them in a negative light, and when it says slander, the word for slander isn't just a, a, a mean report, it's any negative report. And when you do that, and it gives you any sort of satisfaction or smile or any sort of self-identity, that's when it's in gossip. That's when it's becoming gossip. But it's not just the delight you can take, it's the destruction that you can create. Go further, the next proverb, it says this, with their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. A gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. All right, what we're being told here is that the mouth has an incredible power of two relational possibilities. That is, out of your mouth, you can either uh, put somebody's life back together, or you have the power to actually destroy somebody's life. And what distinguishes whether or not you build somebody up and actually heal their life or destroy it is the design behind it. And here's where you can really begin to get your finger on gossip. What makes gossip different between a constructive conversation about talking to somebody is that gossip has no plan to ever follow up and heal somebody. It's a conversation just to have it, for the sake of having it to tear somebody apart. One of my friends who's a pastor in Portland, he puts it this way. He says, gossip is pornography of the mouth. It seeks the same thing that a lustful fantasy seeks, a cheap thrill at another person's expense while making zero effort to honestly connect with or commit to that person. In effect, turning them into a thing to be used for the sake of a self-serving emotional rush. I mean, it, it, it can seem like such a casual whisper, just a simple, fun conversation. But the damage always exceeds the intention. And you end up tearing somebody's life apart. There was a great movie about 13 years ago uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Meryl Streep. Uh, where Philip Seymour Hoffman played this priest and, and Philip, uh, um, Meryl Streep was this, was this nun uh, in this convent. And um, uh, the, Philip Seymour Hoffman has um, got some things said about him. And so one of his uh, morning homilies, he tells a story about a woman coming to him and asking, is, is gossip a sin? And he said, well, let me ask you this. I want, I'll, this is what I want you to do. Go home and take a pillow up to the top of your roof and cut it in half. And then take the two halves and shake it. And then come back to me. So she comes back and he said, well, what happened to the pillow when you did that? She said, oh, the feathers went everywhere. They blew in every which way. 
And he said, now I want you to go and collect all of the feathers. And she goes, that would be impossible. I wouldn't even know where to look. I wouldn't even know where to begin because they blew it every direction, such places that I wouldn't even know how far they went or how close they were. I wouldn't even know where to gather them all. They're too far apart. And he said, that is gossip. See, what, what gossip is, is the fun little satisfaction that you can have with somebody else that has an intention over here for something so casual that ends up tearing somebody's life apart. And the pieces are so far apart, you would have no idea how to even begin to put it back together. That's what it is. Now, why are we so prone to do that? Why is it so regular in our lives and in our community? Well, the next proverb, it says this, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Now, here's where we're learning where it comes from. This word choice morsel in the Hebrew is the word laham. It's one word. It means to swallow with great greed. And it's uh, suggesting that uh, gossip has this addictive nature to it. That it's almost like a drug. That you go to it for satisfaction, for a hit. But when you take the hit, it doesn't quite give you what you want, so you want more. And you need more the next time because the hits are getting higher and higher and higher and making you lower and lower and lower. And so you have to keep going back for it and trying to make it more intense and longer every single time. Now, why do we do that? It says because the choice morsels, they go down to the inmost parts. Now, this word, the inmost parts, every other time it's used in the Old Testament, it's used to describe somebody's private bedroom that somebody has the most intimate relationship with. So here's what the sage is saying. He says, gossip is after this hole in your life that you've got to fill with a hit. There was an interview with John Mayer several years ago on MSNBC when he was uh, sort of going through some emotional, personal renewal. And uh, the interviewer, he said, uh, are you susceptible still to wanting social media feedback? And John Mayer said, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I pulled myself off of it. I'm a recovering ego addict. And the only way I can be sure I don't relapse is to constantly admit that I have this ego addiction every day. So I do the Grammys and then I go home because if I stay, I get high again. I get high and then I get low. And the interviewer goes, high on approval? And he said, yeah. You scroll through your feed and everyone says, you're so great. And it's a high. But then I get low because I can't stop looking. And someone says one negative thing and I want to kill myself because I'm a recovering ego addict. And the interviewer goes, well, what's behind that? And John Mayer says, a hole, a bottomless hole 
that if it got filled, we would not be having this conversation. What John Mayer in the Sage of the Proverbs is saying is that you and I have a bedroom in the bottom of our soul. And it cannot be empty. We cannot live with a lonely bedroom in our life. And so we have to have something to fill it. We have to have something to say, you and I are okay. This is your identity in this world. But the problem with that is it makes you incredibly fragile and incredibly insecure. And the moment anybody threatens that thing that has come into your bedroom to make you a person, you know what the best strategy for you to do is? To defend and justify yourself? It's to gossip. And to cast them in a negative light so you can somehow still fill this empty bedroom in your soul. That's why we're so prone to it. See, here's what I want you to understand. When the Bible talks about sin, it's, it's saying something so much more profound than just breaking the rules. It's saying the essence of who you are has been formatted for something. And you have something inside of us that has shut off what you and I are formatted for. And because we have shut ourselves off from that, we have to go after something else. And we have to fill it with anything else that will do that. And when we can't get what we want, we turn to broken strategies, no matter the cost of what it does to us or what it, the cost it will do to somebody else. And here, you know what this practically means for you with gossip? Is that it means the situations that you're in or somebody else is in never calls for gossip. Your empty heart is calling for gossip. And that's why you're so prone to it. So that's what it is. That's why we're so prone to it. So what in the world do we do about this? How do we, how do we fight gossip? How do we change with gossip? Well, the proverb said this about halfway through. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Which means right now we're at a crossroads and you have a dilemma. You can either begin to learn to use this to heal people's lives or to take people's lives like a pillow on top of a roof and cut it in half and see the feathers go every which way. And here's what will enable you to begin to use your mouth for healing is if you will hold your tongue and learn to speak the truth in love. Now, what do I mean? It says this, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent Hold their tongues. Now this proverb, is, it's picking up on this situation. Somebody hurts, hurts you. You have ill will towards them. Nothing is being done about it, and they're going on with their merry, happy life while they've hurt you, and you're living in your pain. And you think, no one's doing anything about this. They're getting away with it. So I have to do something about this in order to solve this situation. And we are so sure that this is the wisdom approach, that if I take matters into my own hands and I, I make sure that they're put in their place, 
This will solve the situation. But what the proverb says here is you're not putting out the fire. You're actually throwing gas on the fire. About 12 or 13 years ago, uh, if you went to like a hardware store or Walmart and you wanted to get one of the um, those little gas cans to fill up for your like lawnmower, it was the number one company was Blitz Gas Can Company but they went out of business because of unpayable litigation fees. And here's the, over, the, number one, here's the lawsuit that put them out of business, is that there were thousands of lawsuits that said on the side of your gas can, it never says if I pour this on fire, somebody could get hurt. So think about this, this is what happened. Thousands of people were like standing around a fire with their friends and thinking this needs to be put out because the night needs to be over. Well, somebody go get a liquid because liquids put out fire. And thousands of people concluded, well, this is a liquid. Surely this will do it. And they dumped it on the fire. And of course, it didn't put out the fire. It exploded the fire and wounded it and even killed some people. Look, and we, when you gossip about somebody, there is something deep within you that is sure this is making the situation better. But what Proverbs is saying is, no, 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 no. It's making a, t- a million times worse. You're beginning this cycle that is actually unstoppable and unsolvable. And the only way out is to hold your tongue. And, and when it says hold, the language there implies forgiveness. Because what it's saying is that when somebody wrongs you and you're tempted to do something about this by saying uh, something about them that casts them in a negative light that makes you feel a little bit better, the only way to begin to stop that is to look at the pain that they caused you and to choose to forgive them. See, what gossip does is it makes the other person pay for the pain that was caused to you. But what forgiveness does is the choice to you yourself pay for it. And if you go out to dinner with somebody and the bill comes and you haven't talked about it beforehand and you look at them and you're like, well, what do we do here? Who's paying for this? You're not walking out of the restaurant. Either you or your friend is putting the credit card down and forgiveness is saying, I will put it down and I will pay for this. So when you hold the tongue, you actively choose not to cast somebody in a negative light through forgiveness. That will get you out, but also speaking the truth in love. This proverb is amazing. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What this proverb says is that you and I are really confused about love. See, we live in a world where we're sure what love is, is the person who tells me only affirming good things. And people who say hard things, who say difficult things, who say negative things to my face, they don't love me, they hate me. But this proverb actually says it's the exact opposite. Actually, people who only tell you positive things, they don't love you. They hate you. 
because they actually love themselves and are too afraid to upset you. But somebody who loves you, as Oscar Wilde says, will stab you in the front. And what gossip does is you never tell people things to their face because it's too difficult for you. Because it costs you your comfort. It costs you your power. But what love will cause you to do is not talk about people, but talk to people to their face. Now, some of you are like, well, I do this all the time on Facebook. But the problem with that is you don't, you're not stabbing people in the front. You're sort of stabbing people in the eye. And there's no accountability for it. I mean, you, you just are wounding people without any community whatsoever. But what the church is meant to be is a place where there are wounds from the front with accountability. Because it's not done to stand higher on people. It's done to unite and connect people in true intimacy. And, and there's a sacramental nature to this practice. That if you will begin to talk to people to their face, you know what it will do is it will begin to show you that it's impossible to have an intimate relationship and talk behind somebody's back. That one of the ways that, that gossip begins to fade out of your life is if you will begin to have some really hard conversations. And you, you know how the, this is, or, or you will let some people have some conversations for you. You know how this is a problem? You know how you can know that gossip is a problem in your life? No one can say anything as hard to your face that you would dare say behind that person's back. But if, if you will let people start to say hard things to you, it will train your life to think that gossip has no place in a healthy relationship. What will eliminate it out of your life is if you will hold your tongue if you will speak the truth of love, but how in the world do you begin to do this? How, how, how do you talk to people this way? You can't just decide to walk out today and do this. And some of you are like, well, I don't really struggle with gossip. And you know why you don't? It's because your circumstances are easy. But I mean, do you remember that scene in The Dark Knight? where Batman is, uh, first meets the Joker with Heath Ledger. And Batman is like the city of Gotham. You know, they will always do the right thing. And uh, Heath Ledger, the Joker, just goes, oh, when the circumstances change, though, when the chips fall, no, they won't. Because when the circumstances change, everybody chooses themselves and chaos will endure. Look, the, the Proverbs assume that when there's nothing wrong in your life, of course you don't struggle with this. But the moment something challenging happens, the chaos begins, you're going to default to this. So how, how do you get out of it? Well, this last proverb, it says, do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. I mean, it sounds at first like 
hey, don't worry about gossip because God will get them. So you don't need to. That's not, that's not what this means. What it means is that when somebody does something painful to you that causes some bitterness and anger in your soul and you want to do something about it with gossip and you become hateful, the hate in your heart is actually just as egregious to God as the thing that caused the hate to begin with. And it even says that it's almost like your hate can distract God from the very thing that caused you to be hateful. And the only thing that will heal you is the gospel. Because the root of gossip is actually the belief that you have got to be the author of justice that you have to take matters into your own hands in your life and to deal with something yourself. And you're putting yourself in the place only God could be. Which means the only way out is for God to put himself in the only place that you should be. So the incredible thing about the gospel is that this proverb says, look, our hate can distract God from the pain. Like our sin can be so acute it can cause him to look off this painful situation and to stare at our painful situation. But the power of the cross in Jesus is that his atonement and his provision for you distracts God from even your own hate. There's a place in Psalm 32 that, that David says, you cover my sin." It's as if Jesus' provision is so full that it can cover and hide over even the hateful struggle that you have because somebody wounded you and you swear the only solution is gossip. And when you begin to meditate on the gospel, what it will do is it will fix your eyes on health and away from toxicity. Because here's what is so incredible about Jesus is how he embodied all of these Proverbs. This last one, when it says, an enemy multiplies kisses. You know, the night before Jesus was betrayed, not his enemies, but his friends walked up and kissed him on the cheek and sold him out. And on the cross, he had every opportunity to respond to all the hateful insults, to everybody talking about him, mocking him, saying everything about him. He had every right to just open up a rant of all rants, but Peter says he silenced his mouth. And then right before he died, he looked at all of these people talking behind his back who betrayed him and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, if you will begin to see that Jesus was doing that not just for you, but as you, what it will do is in every moment where you swear you've got to take it up on your own hands and fix this situation, is it will give you the freedom to entrust yourself to him who will deal with it justly. 
Because you know the gospel, it actually, it never gossips about you. I mean, the freedom that the gospel gives you is it comes right to your face and says, this is who you are. This is what's going on in your life. But it gives you so much safety in God's love. It gives you the power to receive it, not in fear, but in actually in hope. But you know what? Jesus does talk behind your back. To the Father. Every time that you don't believe that, He will go to the Father when you want nothing to do with it and say, look, I know Alex thinks he's got to take care of this, but Father, he is my brother. And he is your child. Take my righteousness and cover it in him. Look, if if you believe that right now, and you will take that out of your life, I promise you, you become more of a person whose words begin to be life and not death. Because the opposite of gossip, the point of all of this, is not that you would just stop talking. It's that you would become a person who has life coming out of their words. And you would begin to put people's lives back together with your words and use them to make this place more like heaven and less like hell. My wife had a friend who uh, had a child named Noah at 11 months, stillborn. And every year on the anniversary of of that child's birth and death, they said it was just the worst day of the year. It just was a funeral every year. And so one year, uh, in anticipating this to come, uh, she just asked people on social media, "Would would you consider speaking words of encouragement and speaking words of kindness and redemption to anyone in your life and just tag us in it? And and people on that day just started to fill up her feed. It was videos of encouragement. It was videos of stories of redeeming and helping people. It was uh, little uh, tags and posts of poems, of songs, of ways people were trying to build up redemption and encouragement and love in other people's lives. And she said, the day went like this, what is normally like no one gets out of their bathrobe and we can barely do anything. It was the kids all day long saying, mommy, mommy, show us your phone, show us your phone. And she would scroll it back over and over and they just wanted to see these stories over and over and over and over again. And she said, what is normally the worst day of the year became the best. Don't ever, ever underestimate the power of your words. for tearing people's life apart, but also putting it back together. And nothing will do that for you more than Jesus and everything he gives you in the gospel. So take it, take it right now and go become a community that doesn't join cancel culture and ruin people's lives, but puts it back together. Let me pray. Father, Lord, with a simple word, just her name, Mary, how you affirmed her, and how you told Peter to put down the sword. 
Lord, that we don't fight the battles in this world with swords, but, but with the sword of your spirit and the power of your redeeming, de-escalating gospel. Lord, I pray for people in this room right now who've had hard things said about them and done to them, that you would set them free. Lord, by looking at you, by looking at Jesus and meditating on him and enabling us, Lord, not to be people who live with toxic words, but live with words of life. Enable us to be that kind of community in Christ's name. Amen. Looking at you, by looking at Jesus and meditating on him and enabling us, Lord, not to be people who live with toxic words, but live with words of life. Enable us to be that kind of community in Christ's name. Amen.